to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. We are so excited we have a very special post-State of the Union episode today. Biden really knocked it out of the park with this historic speech, and we will break it down. And also joining us to help us analyze last night's speech and let us know how we can keep amplifying these messages is one of the Democratic Party's leading political strategists and pollsters, Celinda Lake. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is How How We Win. Win. Well, we're very excited to have a special co-host guest with us today, someone who is incredibly qualified to debrief last night's speech. Yeah, um, it's a special episode. So instead of doing the regular news of the week, we're just going to jump right in and talk all things State of the Union. So uh, let's bring Celinda right in. Celinda Lake is one of the Democratic Party's leading political strategists. She was one of two lead pollsters for the Biden campaign in 2020 and continues to serve as a pollster to the Democratic National Committee, other National Party committees, and dozens of Democratic incumbents and challengers at all levels of the electoral process. Celinda, thank you so much for joining our discussion about the State of the Union address, which I thought was pretty baller. Can I just say? <laughs> um, what, what, but before we get into that, we, we got a chance to talk a little bit before we started recording about your story and, and that you you came uh, to D.C. by way of Montana. So can you tell a little bit about how you got into being uh, one of the leading Democratic pollsters? Yes, uh, from teenage Republican camp, actually. <laughs> so <laughs> wow. I was raised on a ranch in Montana, and my family was Republican, different kind of Republican than we have now, though, pro-choice Republican, stay out other people's lives, et cetera, kind of Republican. And uh, my parents are the ones who are really interesting. They came from New York City. And then I went east to college, and the Vietnam War, the women's movement, the environmental movement, I switched to being a Democrat. And then I was going to be an EEOC lawyer. And I found out about polling, which was something I didn't even know existed. And I was so excited about it. I went to uh, University of Michigan for graduate school, came to D.C. to work, and the rest is history. So, Celinda, we know you were watching last night, and I think we want to just start with how did Biden do? I think Biden did fabulously. And um, I think most Democrats of all ages were so excited and so energized. because of three things. We saw one, a really strong and forceful Biden, and one ready to take it to the um, the uh, people that oppose the issues that are important for people in America. Mm-hmm. Stand up for things, stand up for activists. And this is someone that I think we can all be active on behalf of. Mm-hmm. Two, he articulated a really clear agenda. And uh, as he said repeatedly last night, the job is not finished. And we're going to be focused on finishing it. And then three, I think between the catcalls from the Republicans and Sarah Huckabee's response, we mm-hmm. saw, we were reminded as if we needed any reminding of what's at stake here and what the other side is like. And I, I loved Sarah Huckabee's line, the choices between crazy and normal. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and we got a different definition of who's crazy yeah. here. So right. um, she nailed it. And uh, 
I think yeah. it was a great speech last night. Yeah. yeah. Can, can you both, can one of you sort of encapsulate what Sarah Huckabee Sanders said? Because um, I did myself the great service of not watching that speech. Uh, and, um, <laughs> you did. I, <laughs> so so for, for any one of our listeners who also have, you know, their, their self-respect and dignity intact, can you let us know what, <laughs> what the point of that speech was? Well, I think the point of that speech was to be, get to be, and I, I tweeted this, I think, get to be uh, Donald Trump's vice presidential choice. Um, mm -hmm. But the way she laid it out was frankly a very dark view and very divisive speech. And she started out right from the get-go raising that, which is to be admired, that she is the youngest governor and the first female in Arkansas serving right now against the oldest president we've ever had. But then she went into a really stark contrast that um, there is a real choice out there between a woke America socialism and every other word she could think of against a normal America, our values, and articulated just an absolute vitriol of division. I think she was way too intense and articulated a much more negative view than most Americans have. And I think uh, people are sick of that kind of rhetoric. And we were reminded not of the Sarah Huckabee who won governorship, but of the Sarah Huckabee that was the press secretary for Donald Trump and carried his line for all of those years. There was one moment in the speech that was quite powerful where she relayed how she had taken a flight with um, the president to Iraq to visit the troops at Christmas. And, you know, it's unfortunate because she's really good at delivering that kind of emotional speech. It's too bad she didn't articulate some values that could have united us. But she was running for the fringe of the fringe to be Donald Trump's vice president. And I just can't imagine most Americans. Uh, you did yourself a favor, Steve. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sad yeah. about it. I'm really not. And I have I have you two here to <laughs> fill me in. So I'm good. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. And it was interesting, right, to see them go that direction, which we just saw losing in the midterm elections in 2022, but they really, she really doubled down on it. And it was, it was very dark. And it was in really strong contrast to the optimism and the hope and the unity, um, you know, vibes and themes of Biden's speech. The other thing I thought that was compelling about Biden is, you know, we've talked a lot on the left about the how we don't really love all the bipartisanship language and how sometimes it feels like a disservice to talk so much about bipartisanship when we're also trying to make a contrast about how extreme these MAGA Republicans have become. But there was something about what Biden did last night that I thought was really strong, which was he was so grounded in really progressive values and and really democratic ideas, these things that we haven't even seen since Reagan, since pre-Reagan, around such a full-throated endorsement of government as a force for good, investing in people and all kinds of people, and taxing the rich to get there, not you know, let's re uh, reduce the deficit by cutting programs, which is, I feel like what we've seen since right. Reagan, right? So I actually thought that was pretty amazing where he actually was able to stand his ground while reaching for common ground to say, we'd love to have you join us if you'd like to, but it wasn't a capitulation to bipartisanship, but rather an invitation for you to join us in our project to help the American people. 
Yeah, I've seen a lot of State of the Union speeches, and um, and especially in our current climate, um, they've been really divided along party lines, and and you just don't see one side clapping for the other side ever on anything. It's just um, even even things that you would think that we would come together on, and this one. It was really hard. He made it so hard for uh, Republicans not to clap for the things he was saying because he was going down a laundry list of things that the American people mm. uh, really want to happen. And, and you know, uh, it was really fun watching McCarthy just squirming in his chair and sort of doing his like golf clap, you know, on stuff that, you know, he was just forced into nodding his head and agreeing about when, you know, they came into it ready to just for full throated opposition. And I think he put it on the line last night. I mean, he said, at least we should be able to agree to be all for seniors. And of course, they say they are all for seniors. So then we should agree we're not going to cut Medicare or Social Security. And of course, that trapped them right away because many of them are in favor of cutting Social Security and Medicare, revisiting them. And he said, I won't stand for it. It won't happen. Um, So I think he really got beyond the rhetoric to say, "Okay, you say you believe in this. That's this is what that means. The second thing I thought that was really strong is that he laid out some issues that just shouldn't be. What is partisan about mental health treatment? What is Mm -hmm. partisan about dealing with opioids? What is partisan about the cancer moonshot? And he said, at least we should agree on this unity agenda. What's partisan about veterans benefits? People agree on this. And it's very, very frustrating to the American public that any three people can agree on more than Congress does. Uh, So I think he did a good job of laying that out. And then I think he did a very, very good job of being in touch with people's lives. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Republicans try to get around it. But, you know, it, I thought it was a great line when he said, because I travel all the time for my job. And when he said, you know, you get these hotel resort fees and <laughs> it's not even a resort. <laughs> <laughs> right. I agree. I was just was at relatable. a holiday inn or a, a small hotel. I won't say the bread. In St. Louis, they had a resort fee. It's like I'm at the airport <laughs> for work. I know. Um, or the fees that are added on to every ticket that you ever buy for a concert when you can't afford to take a break, and you wonder what the heck is this going for? Um, so it was great to have someone who um, there's just so much of this that doesn't make sense to the American public, and it was nice to have a president who said, "You're right. This doesn't make any sense." Mm-hmm, absolutely. I'm curious what um, what each of us thought was the most memorable moment, sort of, you know, as years go on, what will we what will people remember from the speech? I'll say, you know, um, unfortunately, the media is going to keep and and social media is going to keep playing Marjorie Taylor Greene's, you know, uh, stuff over and over again. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's really we talk about it a lot on this show. It's really unfortunate, you know, uh, that that's the shiny thing that that everyone gets drawn to. Um, And, uh, you know, it's not answering your question, Jen, but I think back to (laughs) uh, the first time someone yelled out, uh, during a State of the Union uh, speech, it was Joe um, Wilson. Well, thank you, Joe Wilson, saying you lie to Obama. How shocking that was, and mm-hmm. and just completely audacious. You know that that he was censored for it. 
And censured. And he was mm-hmm. censured for that, for yelling at during the State of the Union address to the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. And and then like in this speech, it was just like the the MAGA Republican hecklers were just out, you know, and uh, had no shame and no regard uh, at all. And uh, of course, Biden handled it expertly like he uh, he turned it around and no one likes a heckler everyone is uncomfortable with heckling so you know they they did a great disservice and it was again fun to watch McCarthy you know lose control of his caucus and and slump down in his chair and try to <laughs> pretend that he wasn't actually there <laughs> um, well, my favorite part of it was when he tried to shush her <laughs> yeah uh, you know a little toddler who's throwing a tantrum yeah but he I, actually did try to show sure he did which is he, incredible yeah and and so so i'm i guess i'm proving my own point by answering your question about what's the most memorable thing i want to take away and, and spending it talking about them but um you know i think our job as as uh, listeners and as people pushing this agenda forward who really do want to get the job done and move forward is to take those important points that he outlined and mm-hmm. keep hammering them home so uh since I screwed up that question, I'll kick it to Celinda to talk about what we need to be talking about. Let me add one fo- other point on your Marjorie Taylor Greene, because it is really upsetting, and I think it's a challenge to all of us on this uh, listening to this podcast. The estimates are that when she did all that heckling, she raised a million and a half dollars last night. Wow. Mm. The right is energized. We need to be energized. It is an important moment for us to remember because we need to take it on. We need to push back. We need to say, no, you're not getting away with this. Yeah. Uh, So that was, it's a sobering reminder moment. Some of the other things I thought that were great, one of the highest peaks last night was when the president just simply said, I am supporting abortion. And uh, that was one of the highest peaks in the speech. Mm. And then I thought the other thing that was really strong last night was he articulated a very clear populist economic vision Mm -hmm. that included not just jobs, but wages. It included not just, um, you know, like on the infrastructure, not just talking about building a bridge, but building a bridge with materials made in America, produced Mm -hmm. by American jobs. And so for the first time, I saw him probably the most comfortable with the kind of economic agenda that you all and your listeners have been pushing for for a while mm-hmm. and they can really make a difference and really make a difference at people's kitchen tables. Uh, yeah, I'll just say, I, in addition to all of that, I thought it was really amazing the way he used Social Security and Medicare, which are, of course, very popular programs, just as a wedge against these Republicans. You know, we talk a lot about how the Republicans are so good at wedging us on issues and dividing our coalition. And it was amazing to me to see him in real time, you know, just use it against them. He knows how popular these programs are. And he called them out for actually their, some of them have these ideas about sunsetting Medicare and Social Security in five years. And when they rejected, he sort of in real time pushed them into a corner to say, oh, great, I guess, I guess we're okay then. You're not going to use this against (laughs) us to tank the whole economy. I thought it was amazing. I thought that was very memorable to me. And it was memorable for me because I have switched from being a Republican to a Democrat 
And I often find friends that I wasn't born a Democrat. I chose it. So I, too, believe in conversion. And I love his line. <laughs> that, well, I believe in conversion. So great. Thanks for joining that was a great moment. He just he really negotiated cool. and saved Social Security and Medicare on the floor of the of the State of the Union address <laughs> yeah. in real time. It was yeah. uh, like I said, it was baller. I thought it was a home run, um, and that was. was a really memorable memorable moment. Um, so, uh, in terms of all of those things, like what what are the practical messages? that, you know, um, kind of the bite-sized chunks that we can really lean into because he talked about what what has, what has we did, uh, which was a lot and, uh, and incredibly impactful. And, and of course, we want to keep letting people know that Democrats did this, you know, as Republicans try to take credit for the, the stuff that's going to start arriving in people's communities. Um, but in terms of the aspirational stuff and the finish the job and what's moving on in the future and, and Celinda, you, as a pollster, you know, what's top of mind for Americans, like where, where does that converge and how can we help amplify those messages? So it is everlasting frustration for the administration that people do not know how much has been done. Part of it, we as grassroots organizers and activists would say, it's because a lot of this hasn't shown up yet at people's kitchen tables. We got to mm -hmm. get it delivered to people. They will know when their insulin price has gone down. But I think there is also, we got to repeat, repeat, repeat. And mm -hmm. the great irony is probably people would know more of what the administration, the Democrats and progressives have done if they had done less. Mm -hmm. uh, it would be, they would be, people would be able to remember it better. Mm -hmm. So we got to get that record out. But I think it was really, really good that he kept saying the job is not finished, that we can make mm -hmm. a better America, that he was incredibly optimistic about where America can go. Because frankly, it's kind of hard to be optimistic right now. A lot of Americans aren't very optimistic. Yeah. I think that can-do spirit is something that we have to communicate. We have to remind people that when we join together, we do get things done. We get wages raised. We get more funding to our kids' schools. We push back on a criminal insurrection, a violent criminal insurrection. We defeat people who want to overturn the will of the people and deny elections. So we do get it done when we unite and when we organize. And it's hard to remember that in this time when people are cynical, distrusting, and tired. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think I would just add, I think the other piece, right, is how much he talked about how the role that big corporations have to play in paying what they owe and paying their share and, you know, super wealthy individuals. Like there's something about that. Um, this is how we're going to do it. You know, we're going to actually do a little bit of rebalancing right now. We need these corporations who are making billions of dollars. We need them to pay taxes. We need rich people to pay more taxes. That's that's how we're going to do it. So it's the optimism of the what and then also the how that we need to stick in people's minds so that they are just have bring that trust to Democrats. Like we actually know how we're going to do this. Such a great and important point because he really did manage to get away from the speech being a left versus right speech and a top mm -hmm. versus bottom speech, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's what unifies us. And that's, that's where, you know, uh, mm -hmm. what we need to carry on. So, uh, so I'll just mm -hmm. say for, for this week's to-do list, we want to support 
uh, Biden's State of the Union address uh, by continuing to amplify all of the things that he's done. The uh, as Celinda just said, when those insulin prices come down, when those uh, projects and those those bridges start being built, and they're being built by American products, and um, you know we need to make sure that. Uh, we keep letting people know that it's Democrats that got that done. It's Biden that got that done. And Republicans, uh, there, yes, there was some bipartisan. He was very clear, you know, to give, I thought, pretty magnanimous and generous to give yep. Republicans credit for these bipartisan issues. But they fought every inch of the way. Like this would not, none of this would have happened without Democrats. So we, we need to remind mm-hmm. our friends and neighbors that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other quick thing that I just want to say for our listeners, and, and we'll talk about this in more detail next week, but uh, there's a crucial uh, Wisconsin Supreme Court election happening on April 4th, which uh, really could hold the future of our democracy in the balance of this one Supreme Court seat. Um, and uh, we'll get into the reasons why, but I'm going to put a link in our show notes for how you can get involved. Uh, our friends at Swing Left have a lot of great resources for you to get involved in making calls, writing letters, and and helping make sure that um, we secure that, that seat on April 4th. Um, so those are your two to-do list items. Sign up to help out in Wisconsin and, uh, and keep supporting Biden. Um, Let's uh, real quick talk about our reasons for hope before we let Celinda get back to um, what I'm sure is going to be a post so to poll that she's she's working on right now. Because <laughs> we always got to and I would love to have you back and hear what the results of that poll like if that if, if his speech has has moved any public opinion or if people are kind of mm-hmm. where they're at. Do, while I'm mm-hmm. asking, do you do you know anything about that? Is there any preliminary? Yeah, kind of- there was a polling done of the people who were watching the speech. Now, that is different than the mass public and what gets interpreted. Of course, most average Americans did not watch the speech. Right. But uh, for the people that did watch it, there was really dramatic increases. Uh, Democrats who were starting in the mid-50s, he should run, went to the 70s that he should run and became much more confident. They were always supporting him, but they became much more confident about that choice. People really uh, picked up in terms of perceiving him to have an economic agenda that would help working in middle class families. So that was very important. And people really increased in terms of thinking he was on their side and that he had gotten things done. So it was a speech that for the people that watched it, they leaned a little more democratic, which is always true. Whoever's president is up there people watch the speech a little bit more it was a very very successful speech uh but you know we now have to wait and see what happens with the interpretation from the press and the nine second sound bites and the 144 characters um so uh, we'll see what happens and of course the administration and the president went out today right away to wisconsin uh, to talk about infrastructure. Um, we've got to take this show on the road. And that's where all the listeners around this podcast, and Steve, you were so right, really make the difference. It's people in community saying, that bridge over there, that's built with American uh, materials, that's built at union wage levels, and that's built by because Democrats brought it to the table, progressives brought it to the table. And go to the pharmacy. Now, you don't have to drive to Canada to get $35 insulin. You can Mm -hmm. get it in the United States, which made no sense at all 
before when it was so outrageously priced. So uh, we have to carry that road. But the administration, I think, has really uh, committed to taking this show on the road and going out repeatedly as these projects are coming online to show what's happening and to make the point it's not good enough. The job's not yeah. finished. We have to keep at it. We can do better. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that's the right frame. It's important because it does speak to where people are. People, uh, we need to tell them what we've done. But as you've noted, people have a lot of issues that they're dealing with and they don't feel like they want to take a, hear a victory lap. But being able to talk about the accomplishments while also saying there's so much more to do, we have to finish the job, it perfectly positions Democrats in 2024. Ooh. I like that. I like Democrats being perfectly positioned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, that's should we? Twenty four. What'd you say? I like the other half of it. I like winning in twenty twenty four. Yes. Exactly. Me too. Um, Celinda, tell us just from your um, perspective what what's giving you hope right now. What's giving me hope is uh, the president's speech last night and the and the agenda laid out just renewed my hope. Um, you know, the Democrats are working very hard to pass the right things. They are fighting in the legislatures for the right things. Um, we have very progressive caucuses. We have progressive governors. We have progressive AGs. And everyone is engaged in really trying to deliver and, and produce things that will make it better. Uh, what gives me hope is everybody is talking about an economic agenda and an economic narrative. And Jen, you and I have talked about this. Democrats and progressives have to become more competitive on the economy. And I think we are making major strides in that regard. And I think progressives and activists have been bringing those issues to the table and the real lived experience of people uh, to the table, which makes me optimistic as a woman. Mm -hmm. And I think our feminist friends and men like Steve join us in this is we have a president and a vice president who are going to stand up at the barricades for a woman's right to choose for abortion um, because that is just devastating. I really didn't think we would turn back 50 years of rights and freedoms. And what makes me optimistic is there's so many people that listen to your podcast because uh, it's going to be people at the grassroots that make the difference. The TV ads and the 400 million in TV ads don't make the difference. The difference is made by people at the grassroots getting the message out, getting the voters out, and uh, pointing out not just two days before an election what the message is, but pointing out today what the message is. Absolutely. I I love that. And yes, of course, our listeners always give me a lot of hope. I love our listeners. (laughs) That's not pandering. That's sincere. Um, And but I'll I'll say my my reason for hope uh, was really Biden gave me a lot of hope because he showed what leadership based in empathy and compassion really looks like. And I think everyone got to see what what anyone around Biden knows and that, that he's a, a decent, deeply empathetic and caring human being. And he was able to connect everything to personal stories that we can all relate to um, that came from our shared experience as, as Americans, as humans. Um, and, uh, you know, we talk about what we want leaders to do and we want them to be strong, 
We, we want them to go on the offensive. We don't want them to be on their heels. Well, check, check, and check for that speech. And we also want them to be in touch with what regular Americans are going through and, and to have a sense that they understand what we're feeling, what we're feeling, not just, you know, bullet points or, you know, economic policy, but what Americans feel. And, and he did that. He did that expertly. Be, and... and it wasn't a trick. He did it because that's who he is. So um, that what an incredible example. And that gave me a lot of hope. What about you, Jen? Well, in addition to everything you all have shared, there was the moment where they went to the family of Tyree Nichols mm. and, the, and the parents. And then to hear the voice of Tyree Nichols's mother through, via Biden when he shared that she was talking about her belief that something will change on this issue of police violence. And that just really gave me hope. I mean, that someone who just went through this incredibly horrific experience still has hope and believes that something will change, something has to change. But I think it was that idea that something will change, something will be different from this. That gave me hope too. Me too. We have to have hope on that front as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, so great. Thank you, Celinda, for your incredible Thank expertise. You. You're, you're both tarnished and untarnished genius that you lend to this. <laughs> <laughs> Very grateful that you could join us for this conversation. And thank you so much for, for your great work. I know your family in Montana is very proud. <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank you for the great work and for making and all of your activists and listeners who turn the polling data into reality. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is how we win. We win when we all get involved. We want to hear from you, as always. Send us an email at hello at howwewinpod.com or tweet to us at howwewinpod, at bluesboysteve, and at Jen Ancona. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods and share our show with your friends and family. There's always work to do, so we'll be back with more next Wednesday. Oh, it's going to be a really good show next Wednesday. Get ready, everyone. <laughs> See you then. Bye.